What's going on, everybody, and welcome into another edition of Be Shave Daily. My name is Brendan Schaefer, alongside you here on Tuesday, June 29th, as the St. Louis Cardinals notch another big W over the Arizona Diamondbacks, getting this win by the score of 3-2 on Tuesday night at Bush Stadium behind a strong outing from Carlos Martinez, and boy, did they ever need that, as the starter has had quite the roller coaster campaign this season. The tsunami, we've seen him at times in 2021, look pretty darn competent. You can remember and pick those dates out in your mind. A couple weeks ago when he faced the Cubs on Sunday Night Baseball being one, and earlier this season he faced the Diamondbacks previously and had a pretty good outing going, a no-hitter into the seventh before things kind of unraveled a bit on him there, but still a quality start in that game. And so facing the Diamondbacks once again on Tuesday, Carlos is good Carlos, just like the Cardinals needed him to be, going six innings, allowing four hits and just one earned run. Couple of walks, six strikeouts for Martinez. The season has not been what you want to see from him. ERA even after a nice outing tonight, 6.38. And Mike Schilt was didn't make any bones about it when asked after the game if Carlos was pitching for his spot in the rotation tonight. He basically said that was a fair assessment because with what the Cardinals have been going through from a starting pitching perspective, I, and I've said this on B-Shape Daily previously within the last couple of weeks, I don't see how you continue to run Carlos Martinez out there. I believe after his last start, I said, you you can't do it. You've got to come up with another option. Well, the Cardinals stuck with Martinez, perhaps by necessity, because as we've talked about on previous episodes of late, John Mosellock in the front office, don't believe that right now is the time to be able to make a move. Not that they're not trying to, but it just doesn't seem as though the moves are jumping out at them as being particularly possible when you consider the Cardinals are desperate for pitching. Every team knows it, and the Cardinals are also reluctant to want to give up some of the big prospects in their farm system for what could potentially be a stopgap move. And so where does that leave the Cardinals? It leaves them with Carlos Martinez taking the mound on Tuesday, starting against the Diamondbacks. Fortunately, Arizona, the worst team in baseball, and the Cardinals, despite the fact that they're still not arguably playing at their best, they were able to get the job done on Tuesday. Now, why would I say they're not playing at their best? Mike Schild in the postgame was certainly adamant about trying to uh, steer the narrative a little bit that the fact that the Cardinals have now won three out of their last four games. And so some of the questions he would receive from us writers and media types asking about the team in the midst of a struggle, and I think Mike Schilt trying to point out, well, now that we've won three out of four, maybe we can change the tone a little bit of the way we look at this team. Now, Cardinals fans out there would probably say otherwise, considering the fact that the Cardinals still a couple of games below 500. That is noteworthy, still in fourth place in the division. They've got a long way to go if they're going to be able to climb out of the hole that they've dug themselves for the majority of June. However, some of the positives that Mike Schilt has been talking about recently, even dating back to the weekend series, which they dropped three out of four against the Pittsburgh Pirates, And this was not necessarily a narrative that I think Cardinals fans were very receptive of. The idea that the Cardinals offensively had turned their corner already over the weekend, despite the fact that they weren't necessarily finding that output in scoring. They weren't increasing their runs. They were still having minimal outputs as far as that is concerned. And so, though Mike Schilt had talked about there was a moment 
after that Thursday game, or really the meeting that took place before Thursday's game, team clubhouse meeting recognized that they had gotten away from some of the aspects of the game that you want to strive toward in order to be a successful club. We heard the Tommy Edmond comments after Thursday's loss and things over the weekend didn't necessarily improve with regard to runs scored and the ability to win games, especially against a Pirates team that you probably should have beat up on. Instead, the reverse happened and they beat up on you. And so understandably, Cardinals fans were like, I don't want to hear the idea that the Cardinals have already turned their corner because process is great, but at this point, results need to start happening. The Cardinals are quickly fading in the standings, and that's just not going to do if they're going to have expectations to make the postseason as definitely the Cardinals had coming into the year. They had more than that. They expected to win the division, and honestly, they expected to, to make a legitimate run deep into the postseason, whether that's at least getting to an NLCS or perhaps a World Series, and maybe taking the thing down. That was the level of expectation that I know this Cardinals team had when the season began. And whether that remains the internal expectation, kind of hard to say. I'm sure it's the hope internally, but when you look at the production and what's taking place on the field, especially over the last month or so, it definitely gives you some pause as to whether or not those goals are still, in fact, attainable. But I think there is a chance, and again, it is against the Arizona Diamondbacks the last couple of days, and so you don't want to put more stock into these results than you necessarily should. Think back to the Marlins series. The Cardinals swept the Marlins, but we've talked about how that didn't fix things. Yes, they won three games in a row, and that was good to see, but they won a couple of them in walk-off fashion. They weren't scoring a whole lot of runs even in those wins. They got three really good outings from their pitching staff. Ended up being enough as the offense squeaked by doing the bare minimum above that which their pitching staff was able to provide. So here against the Diamondbacks, the Cardinals win 7-1 to one on Monday. They had the offensive explosion in one inning. Granted, you like to see things happen in more than one inning, but when you score six runs in the seventh as they did yesterday break things open, allow the the line to get moving, everybody to feel good and positive production essentially across the board in that productive seventh inning yesterday. Tuesday, you have a little bit of a different story offensively because the Cardinals only scored three runs. Yes, it's accurate to describe that Caleb Smith, the starter for Arizona, had a nice night tonight, eight strikeouts. That's Kind of a step in the the wrong direction with regard to the strikeouts because the Cardinals had been maybe doing a little bit better at that, and so that could be part of your process. But what the Cardinals were able to do tonight, and I think there is some some merit to this, is they were able to force Smith to throw pitches. He only gets through five innings tonight, allowing a couple of earned runs thanks to a ridiculous home run by Nolan Arenado that I haven't brought up yet, but we're going to be talking about And so that's why I'm kind of saving it a little bit. We'll hear from Mike Schilt as well on the night for Nolan Arenado. And the way what he was able to do helped contribute to not only a Cardinals win, but the general sense of the offense moving back in the right direction. 98 pitches for Smith in five innings. It's a positive sign you're able to get into the bullpen. The Cardinals score another run off of Matt Peacock, the first reliever out of the bullpen for Arizona. That ends up being the difference in the game. It was a nice base hit by Tommy Edmond batting from the left side. We should notice 
Mike Schilt put Edmund back at the top of the Cardinals lineup tonight because of the fact that the Cardinals were facing a left-handed starter in in the pregame. Mike Schilt just basically said, Edmund kills lefties, and so we're going to have him up there dropping Dylan Carlson back into the two-hole where he had spent a good chunk of the season previous to his recent promotion to the leadoff spot. But then after the bullpen comes into the game for the Diamondbacks, it's Edmund getting the job done against a righty, which has been a source of trouble for him as of late. A really nice swing through the right side of the infield to get the Cardinals an insurance run that they ultimately would definitely need in this game as Genesis Cabrera, not his best tonight, walking a couple and giving up a hit and an earned run in the seventh inning tonight for St. Louis. Andrew Miller came in to try and close the door on that situation, walked a batter as well. But then it was Alex Ray as the Cardinals had him for a couple of innings tonight after using seven total pitchers on Monday. And Alex Reyes, it it wasn't perfect, but he got the job done and really fantastic outing to get his ERA back below the 1.00 mark as he's down to .98 on the season. A huge double play started by Alex Reyes in the eighth inning that if if at that point you don't get out of it, you don't execute that double play that Reyes decided to go for because it was on a comebacker back to him, runner on third, after things weren't going very well for Reyes to begin the inning, first batter reaches via error, and then Reyes gets charged with a balk. He said after the game that the ball just slipped out of his hand when he was trying to go to step off, and, and so then the runner gets to advance. Base hit after that, the runner is held up at third. Now you've got first and third, and a pretty dicey situation, but he goes right to work, strikes out Christian Walker on three big pitches, and now that's kind of the recipe, right? When you're in a jam in that situation, go get the strikeout and then get the double play. And Alex Reyes does that. Steven Vogt grounds one back to him, and just a tremendous and gutsy play by Reyes. There might have even been a moment Mike Schild alluded to in the postgame where Reyes tried to look back the runner just ever so quickly because the runner's off a third. If you if you aren't throwing home, and Nolan Arado even said he was yelling home the whole way for Reyes to throw the ball to home plate, cut down the runner from third there, and live to fight another day rather than potentially go for the double play, which is a tricky 1-6-3 that you'd have to pull off without throwing the ball into center field, with the exchange at second being good and being able to do it in time to get the runner at first. All those things have to go right, and if they don't, you're pretty much expected the runner from third by then is going to be able to score. Maybe a slow runner, you have a play at the plate from the first baseman throwing home to Yachty, but more likely than not, if you're choosing to go for that double play, you're kind of putting all your eggs into that basket and assuming if it doesn't work out, the game's going to be tied. So that's why zillion-time gold glover Nolan Arenado sees the comebacker to raise. A little bit of a tricky one to field, first of all, but he gets that done. Arenado's yelling home. But instead, Reyes, calm, cool, collected, turns to second base, makes the throw, and then the shortstop able to get it over to first in time for the double play. And I have not, we see Reyes show some emotion sometimes. I haven't seen him maybe show as much emotion as he did after that double play was completed. Definitely giving some shouts, giving some, you know, flexing, uh, let's go motions there on the field as he walked off. He wasn't done there, though. Reyes, of course, had to pitch the ninth inning tonight. That was a little more uneventful as he was able to record his 19th save of the season. 
doing a marvelous job as the Cardinals closer. I talked about in a recent episode of the podcast, if the Cardinals aren't able to get it done from a starting perspective, maybe they consider uh, moving Reyes into that role because if you have a closer who's really good but you never have a lead, it's kind of a, a, a rough situation, right? You never get to use him. Well, tonight was the exact example of Alex Reyes providing specifically what the Cardinals needed from him. He does so in a two-inning outing. I think the Cardinals should be willing to do that more often with him. If they're going to get his his total pitch count, his, his innings load up, which I think at this point he's basically succeeded in everything you've thrown at him. So I don't think there's any reason over the second half of the season why you wouldn't be a little more willing to throw a little bit more of a workload in his direction. And, and that can even be within a game where he goes two innings tonight and looked very sharp in the ninth. Didn't look like he was wearing down at all. Does throw more pitches maybe than he's perhaps used to having done so this season because for the most part, the Cardinals, despite the fact that they said at the beginning of the year or really back in spring training, that they were going to try to get him into a 100-inning range for the season, he hasn't really had very many multi-inning outings. And so 32 pitches in this game, I believe that might have been a high for his season, but does a remarkable job getting it done. But let's talk about Nolan Arenado because that is the story of this day. I know if you're taking 13 minutes to get to the story of the day, how good are you at podcasting? Not very. But now that we're we're on the subject, let's get into Nolan Arenado. The home run that he hit, a screaming line drive down the left field line. It couldn't have been more than 40 or 50 feet in the air. And at first I said, looked like it stayed a, you know, off the bat about a dozen feet in the air and it just stayed there the entire way until it hit the base of the netting that, that is adjacent to the foul pole there in left field down the line. Arnado said that he knew it was gone, just wasn't sure if it was going to be fair or foul. I Watching it, I wasn't sure anything was going to happen because it was just so low. Hit it with a 21-degree launch angle, 106 miles per hour, 106.1 off the bat, just a, it's a thing Nolan Arenado can do and not a lot of other people on this planet can do. In the situation he was in, just looking to get a ball in play because you had a runner on third base trying to get that run home with two outs. He said he was trying to get on top of the ball. Well, normally when you're trying to get on top of the ball, you're not going to loft it for a home run. And that's because he didn't. He didn't loft anything. It was the screamingest screaming line drive I've ever seen in my life. The fact that it was right down the line as well made it all that more unique and interesting. Kind of reminded me of the McGuire 62 home run, honestly. A little bit of a different stadium configuration, and obviously this one a little bit more close to being foul because it hit the literal netting, bounced back onto the field. Just a a crazy swing, and one the Cardinals definitely needed there in the fifth inning. They jump out to a 2-0 lead with that one. Carlos actually gave up his run in the sixth and for Edmund to bounce right back in the seventh to get the insurance it ultimately proved very necessary with his RBI hit in that inning and another contribution from Nolan Arenado that ends up being huge in this game was the kind of swinging bunt that he fielded in basically midair through across his body also trying to avoid Carlos Martinez there near the third baseline to get a huge out in the top of the sixth inning after Josh Rojas had singled to Paul DeYoung, infield hit, you almost give up another one when it was Paven Smith, chopper to the third base side, Arenado charges it. The throw that he makes is just miraculous. It, again, it's just the kind of thing that Arenado can do and other people cannot. 
And this was one of the better ones we've seen, I think, on this type of play. Because a lot of times it seems like on these softly hit balls, he's at least driving a little bit more toward the pitcher's mound. And it's kind of cutting it off there and being able to throw with his body going in the direction of first base. That was not the case with this play. He was basically moving toward the foul line and had to come in. A little bit of shifted situation, I believe. But just the the way he was able to make this play and Carlos Martinez kind of ducking out of the way because, you know, God bless Carlos. But Nolan was the one that was going to have to make this play if anybody was. And so... To be able to get that done ended up being huge because a run does score later in that inning, but it could have been even worse because if you have the first two guys reach base and then the third man, which was Escobar, had the RBI single that scored the run, that would have been a situation where you're talking about then first and second, nobody out, and anything can happen at that point. They could, I don't know, if they could bunt over to try to get the tying run to score or just continue to keep the line moving as it were. Carlos able to get out of the rest of the inning, preserve a nice quality start, six innings, one run, just four hits. He was on his good stuff tonight. It was interesting to kind of hear him talk about after the game that there was a conversation this week in which he basically woke up, he said. The conversation was with Mike Schilt, with Mike Maddox. Whatever it is they told him, we're not exactly going to be privy to because Mike Schilt said those things are going to stay kind of private, but... Mike Schilt did have an interesting way of describing the conversation that took place between some of the stakeholders of the team and Carlos Martinez when he spoke with the media after Tuesday night's game. Schilty, is it fair to say that Carlos was pitching for his spot in the rotation tonight? I think that's a reasonable statement. Yes, sir. He said that he had some conversations with you and, and Mad Dog, and he says that you kind of woke him up. What does that mean? I wonder. Well, some of his conversations are, you know, we'll, we'll keep private, but, um, you know, we have conversations with all our guys and some are, are um, you know, more back and forth and some are more pointed. And this might have been in the latter? Uh, perhaps. I mean, look, I've had Carlos a long time. He understands. Just, um, you know, my job is to create clarity of, of what we're doing, how we're doing it, what the expectations are. Um, at all times, and you know, he heard it. It was it, look, man. He he gets up and you know, hug and he got it. Next day, you know, let's go. And um, today, he pitched very well, to his credit. So on the pitching side, there from Cardinals manager Mike Schild, I thought really some interesting insight. Basically saying, yep, that's a fair statement that Carlos was pitching for his spot in the rotation. On Tuesday, obviously, passes that test. you got to consider the opposition. It was the D-backs, but certainly more than enough to earn Carlos another shot in the rotation moving forward. Look, I think there could come a point where if he has another mishap and the situation is a little bit different, maybe the Cardinals are a little closer to getting some of their guys back, you you could see Carlos still make a move to the bullpen this season. I would not be surprised to see that happen, especially as we get a little bit closer to August where the Cardinals are expecting to get Flaherty, Michaelis, those guys to return. I think Carlos down the stretch in the bullpen could be a really positive thing if they can kind of wrap him around that mentality and allow him to to be mentally where he needs to be for it and to focus on that role down the stretch. I think a Cardinals team in contention with Carlos in the bullpen, that could end up being a good thing. But for right now, 
certainly they'll take these kinds of quality starts because they've been few and far between for the Cardinals as of the last month or so. And tonight, a, a big step in the right direction as Carlos Martinez becomes the first non-Wainwright starter to to get a win, I believe, in the month of June. It's dating all the way back to like May 26th when John Gant did it. And you can go even back further then to a start Carlos made on May 8th. I think I talked about this maybe in yesterday's episode. The fact that the Cardinals didn't have a starter, other than Adam Wainwright, that is, that is currently a member of the rotation, win a start actually earned the W since May 8th when Carlos did it because Gant had done it a couple of times. Flaherty had done it, but Flaherty has since gotten hurt and so hasn't been in that mix for the last month or so. And so that's really kind of the story of where the Cardinals' struggles have been on the pitching side. They just haven't been able to get a starter that can command a quality start, take control of the situation, and then have that happen on the same just kind of cross your fingers, get lucky on the same day that the offense manages to get a little bit of run support for you. Tonight it was Nolan Arenado and then one really key swing by Tommy Edmond that proved to be enough offensively, though we did talk about the fact that the Cardinals, through their process, things are seemingly improving. And so I asked Mike Schilt a little bit about that after tonight's game. Going to play another audio clip here. You'll hear my questions and you'll hear Mike Schilt's answers and we'll talk a little bit more about this team and their win tonight before we get out of here. Here's my exchange with Cardinals manager, Mike Schilt. Mike Nolan sort of told us he personally likes the home run a little better than the defensive play as far as his favorite, but as long as it's helping the team win, he just wants to be able to do it all. But on a night where runs were at a premium on both sides like they were tonight, just how impactful is it to, to see him be able to just kind of put the team on his back in that way? Yeah, it was huge. I mean, you know, that, um, that was Got a good pitching tonight. You know, that kid threw the ball well. Um, got a nice arm, threw the ball well, throwing it where he wanted to, not in the middle of the plate a lot, took a lot of tough at-bats. You know, one thing about it is, um, you know, that was a 96 pitch he was throwing in the fifth, and he earned every bit of it. Um, but my point is we had, you know, walks and traffic, and we didn't get the big hit, but we we took a lot of quality at-bats to allow ourselves to um, and I was just thinking about it. Like I looked up, I'm like, man, this guy's at 93 pitches, 92 pitches, whatever, before that at bat. And then I was like, usually about this time in the fifth, you're starting to push a guy a little bit, which, you know, look, he earned it. I mean, gosh darn, it get through great. Um, but it's time where maybe something happens. And, you know, he put a he put a, put a a good swing on him, obviously. Nolan alluded to that as well, the number of pitches they were able to force the guy to throw. Just is that a sign of the, the offense just going the way you want it to? Whether you score three runs or seven, that's kind of indicative of what you're looking for. You got a much better chance of scoring seven, and you got a really good chance of scoring three if that's the kind of offense you have. You know, that's exactly, uh, I think you capture better, and I've tried to capture it more recently, uh, Brenning, because, you know, now in our sixth game, everything's, you know, walks are much better. Two strike hitting, two, you know, no one is two strike hit. Eddie's two-strike hit, um, just a lot of good at-bats to give herself a chance to for five runners in scoring position, had the bases loaded, to, could have broken it open. But, you know, th- that's the recipe because you're not going to execute every time, but it's really this simple, just like we talked about the pitching. You get on base, you have good at-bats, it wears down the other pitchers, and you got more chance to score. And we're a really good base, well, base running team, so it helps us in that regard as well. So inadvertently, I stumbled upon a better explanation, according to Mike Schilt, 
for where the offense has been than he's even been able to present himself over the last few days. They're satisfied with what they saw tonight from the perspective of when you attack a starting pitcher, when you get him out of the game after five innings and make him throw about 100 pitches in order to accomplish that, you're going to get to the bullpen quicker. In a close game situation like this on a Tuesday, game two of a three-game series, in theory, you're getting to face some of the, the, the more potent relievers for the other side. Obviously, they had to throw a bulk reliever in game one on Monday, and that did not pan out for them as the Cardinals eventually got to that guy in the seventh inning. The floodgates opened. That's good. And so when you think about trying to win series by series and, and stack up W's, winning games, the formula is to get the starting pitcher out early. And so even though the Cardinals did not necessarily thrive and, and you look up at the scoreboard and say, well, they scored three runs, how can you be satisfied by the offensive approach? I think this is what, and Mike Schultz described it as such, he's talking about. And it, it doesn't, it's a, it's a narrative and it's a, a concept that is going to fall a little bit flat and understandably and rightfully so when the Cardinals continue to lose a bunch of games in a row and, and don't produce offensively. But I think you can see following a game where they scored seven, they do it tonight and score three. That's that's not good enough. Three cannot be the status quo. They've, they've got to be able to ultimately do a better job than that. But what he's saying is if, if you put together the kinds of at-bats that the Cardinals did on Tuesday, in theory, you're sure not going to come up with fewer than three runs. Like the way they worked the starter, the way they continued to grind as the game went along, and, and I think that was evidenced by their ability to score in the inning that Tommy Edmond was able to get the uh, the insurance run there in the sixth. And again, that does come off the bullpen. So you end up using some of those arms up. You can approach a game three situation tomorrow where you're, you're definitely expecting sweep. Like I didn't make any bones about it after the Cardinals won on Monday. I said, you got to sweep this team. Well, now they've won two. And, and coming into today, sometimes I just kind of have a feeling. I said, look, the Cardinals where they're at, I get it, but they're, they're going to win on Tuesday. My dad asked me that this afternoon, and I said, yeah, they're going to win. And uh, I think somebody on Twitter asked me as well. And I said, yep, I, I see them getting it done. I, I'm not sure exactly how. You know, I don't know if I had Carlos penciled in for a, a six-inning, one-run start. But they ultimately get the job done against an inferior opponent. You know, remember when the, the days of when all you had to worry about with the Cardinals, and, and it was only like a couple of weeks ago, where the idea that all they did was beat up on bad teams, but they, they couldn't beat the good ones. And it was like, ah, when are the Cardinals going to do it against better competition? Well, then it kind of sunk down to, when are the Cardinals going to do it at all? Lost to the Braves, lost to the Tigers, lost to the Pirates. It wasn't looking good. It's still not looking great, but you're at least able to kind of revert back to what you were able to have success with early in the season, beating up on these bad teams. The Diamondbacks, certainly one of them, Yes, you shouldn't be having to struggle so hard with it. I think about, for the, and this may be dating myself, and most people won't know what this is, but in the video game Pokemon, when I was a kid, I was all about the Game Boy. If you had a Pokemon that ran out of moves, like it didn't have uh, any ability to use these moves anymore because they, they've used them so many times, it would use a move called Struggle, where it would just, I don't even know what Struggle entailed, but essentially if you continued to use it, it would damage your own self, and eventually you would die. So it wasn't going to work out in the long term. That's where the Cardinals are at right now with, with the way they're performing against these bad teams because occasionally it works out like it did against the Marlins and, and right now like it is against the D-backs. But, yes, your process can be wonderful. You eventually have to get these results. And I'm telling you, they're running out of time to be able to do it because they've got one more game 
against the D-backs. They might be able to get away with it tomorrow, winning you know two to one or whatever. If they, if they can get some good pitching, the, the Arizona lineup is not producing very much right now. They don't have very many big names within that batting order, and so that's just the reality of the situation for them. Maybe you get away with uh, another day of, well, we liked our offensive process, but we didn't score many runs, and you might even come away with a W by doing that. And then you're going to go to Colorado. The the Rockies have been much better at home, but by and large, they're not a, a, a great team, though they did win pretty handily tonight. Herman Marquez nearly finished off a no-hitter, got through at least eight innings, and I don't know when he gave it up in the ninth, but I saw that he did. They're a better team at home, though. You're going to get them for four games. You're going to have to figure out a way to to win there in Denver. I, th- I figure that Nolan Arenado is going to put on a show. It's probably what he intends to do when he heads to a ballpark with which he is very familiar. But then it's the, the Giants out west, and it's the Cubs. And then after the All-Star break, you play those two same teams again. So it's going to be really tough for the Cardinals to be able to play the way they're playing right now. Just a little bit of a touch-off on occasion with their results as far as offensively. They're not consistently producing the way that it seems like the manager and the coaching staff believes they ought to be based on the improved level of process and awareness and preparedness that they are supposed to have been showing over the course of this week, dating back into the weekend as well. It's not going to fly when you're playing those better teams. And so hopefully the Cardinals can use these next still five games, A, find a way to, to bank some wins, get back to 500 or better. Right now they're two games below Wednesday will be game 81 on the season, and so the Cardinals do not have any chance, mathematically, of being above 500 at the halfway mark this year. The best they can hope for, getting the win on Wednesday afternoon at Bush, getting to 40 and 41 on the season, and then deciding that regardless of the injuries that have taken place to this team, regardless of the underperformance to the offense, and the issues they've had within their bullpen, they're going to strive to make the second half better than it was for the first, because I promise you, 80 wins is not getting this team into the postseason. But they've got a chance to bank some wins and then to show that they remember how to win games and maybe be able to use those same processes against better opponents when they inevitably come as the calendar turns to July. Kwon Young Kim will go on Wednesday afternoon for the Cardinals. He is the guy you want in this situation, in my opinion, because Wainwright's not an option. So (laughs) he's the next best thing, and he's been pretty solid for the Cardinals of late, ERA on the season of 3.98. He's only 1-5 on the season. I think KK has a good chance to get another W tomorrow. I think you're going to want to probably see him go six innings or more if, if he can stomach it. Cardinals take on another Smith. This time it's Riley, 5.71 ERA on the season. Right-hander, I think the Cardinals have a much better offensive day tomorrow. Really, I go into the prediction game on the podcast for the next day's game. But because tomorrow is a day game, I I guess even by the time you're listening to this podcast, potentially, uh, you'll already know what the result of Wednesday's game might be. Wouldn't that be interesting? But Cardinals looking for the sweep on Wednesday. Good Lord willing, they'll get it, and uh, they'll they'll draw ever closer to 500. The Brewers just continue to win games right now, though, and so the Cardinals, even with their last couple of wins, still remain eight games behind in the NL Central. Uh, fortunately for them, though, the, the Cubs are fading back toward them only three games ahead of the Cardinals right now, and the Reds uh, just about a game, game and a half ahead of St. Louis, and I'm not going to look that up. You can you can Google it. Anyway, we're going to wrap things up here for this edition of B-Shape Daily. I'm tired, guys. It's almost 2 a.m., and I've still got some writing to finish up here on what is technically, I know I said it was Tuesday when I started the podcast. It's technically Wednesday morning. 
and uh, early morning to get down to the ballpark tomorrow for a 12-15 start for St. Louis. Let me take a moment to recognize everybody out there listening. I appreciate you guys so much. Would love to have you subscribe if you haven't done so already. You can do it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, many other locations. Just head on over to anchor.fm slash bshafer12 and click on more platforms where you can check out all the places you can listen to the show. Appreciate you guys for listening as always, and we'll talk to you next time on Shafe Daily.